If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za. So the South African government, uh, the president, uh, wrote a letter to ICJ urging the ICJ to please intervene. You may be seeing images coming through. We've been talking a lot about Gaza over the past couple of weeks and you may be seeing that uh, there is really uh, more tension in the area. Lots of uh, the remaining people in Gaza having moved further south and, um, you know, the eminent, uh, I would say, an ground invasion in that Varafa area uh, and the South African government are really concerned about that uh, warranting this urgent request by the ICJ uh, court judges to use their muscle, to use their power to try and stop what is happening on the ground. Listening into my introduction is Associate Professor in Criminal Law at King's College London, Dr Nicola Palmer. Thank you so much for your time. Good evening and welcome. Good evening and it's great to be here. Although difficult circumstances, of course. Absolutely. And we hear now, um, much as uh, we know that South Africa, you know, was in a way victorious when they appeared before the ICJ, there was always a room that Israel was probably not going to do much to prevent further carnage. We are seeing what we're seeing now. Um, And then the question then is, Will this letter that the president of South Africa has now sent to the ICJ requesting the judges to use their own powers to really try and stop more carnage, do you think this will be effective? Well, on, on Monday, what we saw was was the South African government making an urgent request mm. to the International Court of Justice for these additional measures. And it was really in response to the threat of this escalating Israeli military assault in Rafa. And, and so what the South African government's letter really does is it emphasizes how Rafa was, is normally home to 280,000 Palestinians, and it's now housing approximately 1.4 million people, you know? Mm-hmm. And as, as the International Committee of the Red Cross has made clear, there really is no option for the evacuation of, Pal- of the Palestinian population, Rafa, as there is nowhere else for people to go. And so some important Palestinian scholars have been saying, you know, this was always part of the Israeli military intention. Um, And so to go to your your question there, you know, this this request from from the South African government is clearly trying to push the court to order a ceasefire as a provisional measure, something that the decision on, on the 26th of January shied away from doing. Will that be easy, though, uh, bearing in mind that you have a state, you know, up against formerly what is not a state, which is Hamas? And, and the arguments coming through saying, look, yes, we can request Israel to abide by certain laws, but very difficult to get Hamas to be held accountable in the same way because it's not a state against a state. It's a, an, organ, a, an organization here, really, um, that obviously represents a couple of people and, and an ideology, so to speak. Very difficult to monitor them and hold them accountable in the same way. So this is a very important legal distinction mm. because for cases before the International Court of Justice, they only adjudicate mm. in relation to interstate disputes. Correct. The, the point of contestation, the point of dispute 
which was recognized in the provisional measures decision, had to be between two states, mm -hmm. between the South African government mm -hmm. and the Israeli government in relation to both of their obligations under the under the um, genocide convention. Mm -hmm. Now, the the point in relation to Hamas is an important one. Of course, it's a crucial one. But for non-state actors, the form of accountability is best found within the jurisdiction of the International Criminal Court. Okay. Now, the International Criminal Court um, does have jurisdiction and, you know, the current prosecutor, Karim Khan, mm. is investigating both Hamas activities and, and allegations of war crimes, crimes and crimes against humanity and those um, being brought against Israeli officials. Now, of course, the, the key with the International Criminal Court is it's not about state responsibility, mm. it's about the responsibility of individual members of that government or indeed individual military leaders. Mm. I think we also always undermine the point that in its papers and in its application, South Africa did make the point that investigate everybody, not just Israel, investigate everybody who is likely to commit this crime. Um, and so, yes, Hamas did come up, even though, as you're saying, very difficult here um, to, to hold them accountable in this court. But yes, the ICC is looking into them. We're here now and we obviously are seeing that Israel has ignored the provisions. W what actually really can be done, even if the judges go ahead and issue another provision? Will it be effective? So, so the request is being made under Article 75.1 of the court statute. Mm -hmm. And what this, this provision does is it actually empowers the court to act what us lawyers would call proprio motto, which basically means that the court can act of its own accord mm. to enhance the measures that it has already given. Mm -hmm. Now, I think maybe it's worth a, a brief read for listeners as to what those measures are. Sure. But from the 26th of January, there's been a, there's been clear measures that Israel must take all steps possible to prevent the commission of genocidal acts in Gaza. Mm. It must ensure that its military does not commit any of the acts, and it must take all measures within its power to prevent direct and public incitement mm. to commit genocide. And we saw a lot in relation to the evidence that South Africa brought about how high up that level of insight of, of inciting speech has gone. Mm. In addition, um, the fourth criteria was that Israel must enable, and this has proved to be a continual battle provision of humanitarian mm. assistance to Gaza. Mm. And it must take effective measures to prevent the destruction and ensure the preservation of evidence relating to allegations mm. um, of acts prohibited by the Genocide Convention. Mm. And finally, and I think this is really comes to your question, which is a good one, it has the only active obligation that the court can really check on mm. is that Israel has to submit a report to the court yes. on all measures taken to give effect to the court's orders within one month. So yes. at the moment, it's it's really concerning um, because you know, that what that report is going to look like is we've continued to, to pursue very um, aggressive military interventions, including the threat of Boots on the ground and in Rafa, and and the continual wide-scale destruction of of um, and and civilian-related deaths. So, and so we, that's that's what the court can do. 
And we all almost know what um, the response will be with regards to that. Um, they obviously have to come back in the 30 days and we are somewhere in there now already. Um, yes. and, and we probably know what they're going to say. They're going to say, yes, but we found that maybe Hamas was embedded uh, in, in, in these um, gatherings of people in that really, really very small space so we couldn't do much. And we know the arguments about aid. Well, aid, uh, you know the problem with aid, they take it away from the civilians and and therefore, it's sort of their fault that this is happening. We we can park that aside for a minute. But if we look mm-hmm. at what other mechanisms ICJ has at their disposal to monitor, first of all, the one provision that evidence is not destroyed to assist in this case and monitoring of this case. So I think this move by the South African government has has been a smart one mm-hmm. in so far as it is trying to use the available mechanisms that exist under the court statute, under Article 51 in this instance, um, to continue to encourage the court to make its presence known that it is still um, doing some of the um, monitoring of the provisional measures that have been issued. Now, the court, so so I think it is possible mm. that the court will respond and and will pursue an additional decision proprio moto of its own initiative, mm-hmm. following from South Africa's request. Mm. I think the tricky bit in terms of the law becomes that that a previous decision in in Bosnia versus Serbia, which related to 1993, where there was a similar um, action from the court. Mm. All the court did was it just affirmed mm. its original provisional measures orders mm. and demanded its immediate and effective implementation. So what the court did essentially was it used this Article 51 request to reaffirm what it had previously said rather than going further, which I think is really where the South African government pushes that rather than going further to say we should be extending those provisional mechanisms to include a request for a ceasefire. But, so I think we have to recognize that I think that, in my view, is the more likely response and there's mm. there's, there's previous decisions that, that would support that. Mm. However, I don't think that this undermines entirely the initiative mm. because what I think we've seen since the 26th of January is that this, the, um, the hearings before the ICJ first, they were viewed by more and more individuals than have ever paid any attention mm. to the activities of the International Court of Justice. And they create a growing international momentum yeah. Um, yeah. to some extent that have really made the charge of genocide speakable. Mm-hmm. Yes. In, at a time where, you know, other diplomatic measures mm-hmm. have failed. Mm-hmm. And in a way, one could then say... You know, this has built momentum for, for for normal global citizens to, as you're saying, you know, speak up and, and then use the term genocide um, in a way that kind of uh, validates how they're feeling. And, of course, there will be reputational damage um, to those states that are supporting Israel as well as to Israel. But but maybe... You know, maybe that's that's all we can do for now. That's South Africa's bit in all of this. And one wonders, you know, what other states could do to support this this uh, South Africa's initiative. 
Yes, and so you know when the when the um, decision when South Africa's first application for provisional measures was first made public, there was almost no immediate state support. Mm. It was silent, you know, in contrast to what we saw with Ukraine. But following the hearing, and then of co- what we've actually seen is an increasing number of states. Mm-hmm coming out in favor of South Africa's um, in favor of South Africa's position. So we now have 52 states that are intervening in in this dispute. And and so we have seen a you know a kind of a shaking of of the international consciousness. Now of course that shaking has fallen in different ways in relation to the different histories of particular states and of course Germany's ongoing um, um, opposition to Go ahead, uh, Dr. Palmer. Yes, sorry. Yes, so so um, South Africa, you know, Germany's ongoing um, intervention to that uh, and and opposition to South Africa's intervention clearly speaks to these these longer and and really complex histories. Um, but what it has done is is again enabled and started to mobilize mm. both at the state level mm. and also in, importantly i think in the in the protests mm. that we're seeing across south africa mm. we're seeing across london and the uk um, and and in in various parts of the world, mm. and, and and it's safe to say, well, look, lots of uh, parts of the world are going going to have elections this year. You know, it will have an impact on how the citizens of all these states feel on the ground. There will be a sense that you know we need to be a little bit careful about how citizens are viewing our position with this matter because we're going to the elections, and you know, politicians like to look like they care about what people think on the ground. Definitely. And I think we we don't know, we actually don't know how this issue is going to play in various countries in these elections. I think a range of leaders are making, um, you know, particular decisions about how they think it is going to play, including the South African government. You know, I think this is a unifying move um, from um, the ANC. We see in the UK really, you know, complete unity between the Conservatives and Labour in opposition to the move in support of Israel. And it's not clear to me at all, certainly if we think about the UK context there, that that's necessarily going to play well um, with the Labour voting base. So I I don't think the governments at the moment, governments know exactly how that's going to fall um, for their electorate. And And again, that really emphasizes the need for for multiple mechanisms mm. of which these legal cases are, are one, but they, they can't do it alone. Mm. You know, that the answer can't be found in the decisions of the International Court of Justice alone. These there is also important political work to do. And of course we've seen you know the difficulties of that in relation to what's happened at the Security Council. Um, and the veto yeah. that the U.S. has exercised. Yeah. But we have to be using all of our available mechanisms, particularly when you just recognize the horror that, that people in Rafa are, are now facing and in Gaza as a whole. Um, and, of course, in, on the West Bank as well. So I think that that really prompts us to think about the importance of, of multiple mechanisms for engagement and action. Just my last question is, while we know um, states are managing the PR on the ground with their citizens and we can see, you know, protests around the world, 
there isn't a sense really that um, they are willing to go the extra mile and and actually condemn Israel and take the formal steps diplomatically to do the right thing, which which leaves all of us a little bit disheartened. You know, I couldn't agree more. It's very hard not to feel helpless in these circumstances. And I think there the the you know if we go back to what the applications the justice has been able to do it's 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 been able to show that we that statements can be made evidence can be brought um and that this is clearly insufficient but it's so much better than than no action whatsoever. And so I think we really have to, I think this is an interesting um, mix coming from the South African government through this request for additional measures. And and we're really going to wait and see what the court does from here. Associate Professor in Criminal Law at King's College in London, Dr. Nicola Palmer, I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za.